Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mike Figueredo. I am the host of what's typically called the Humanist Report, but today it is a special Bernie Sanders episode. So you are watching for this entire episode, the Bernie Sanders Report in honor of the first Democratic debate. Now, the reason why I am doing a full episode on Bernie Sanders is to show support to the best candidate in the presidential race right now. So all the topics today will involve Bernie Sanders. So I will be discussing Bernie Sanders' stance on gun rights, uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, how he railed against the TPP. I'll also be discussing his first congressional endorsement uh, and also who I think may be his uh, best VP pick. Uh, now, most importantly, I'll be covering the Democratic presidential debate. Now, I can't talk about that uh, at this point in time. Right now, it's October 8th, uh, and that doesn't take place until the 13th, I believe. So what I'll do is I'll interject into this episode with a video blog of myself uh, talking about the Democratic presidential debate. I can't live stream it or anything like that because I'll be in class pretty much for half of the debate. Uh, so as soon as I get out of class and get a chance to watch it and catch up, I'll film a video with my thoughts. Uh, and you will see that uh, later on in this episode. I'm going to get to the stories of today first. And uh, as of October 8th, you'll be seeing this once the Democratic debate is done. Uh, but I'll get to that after everything. But of course, if you want to skip and see my thoughts on the Democratic debate and how I think Bernie Sanders did, you can find that on this channel. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I hope you like the setup. It's all Bernie Sanders. We're decked out this time. We're going all in so the transformation is almost complete <laughs> this is almost actually the bernie sanders report it is for today uh so yeah i hope you guys enjoy it many people contend that if bernie sanders wins the democratic nomination he would lose the national election because a lot of people think that he is not electable nationally uh now they say this because they think he's too far to the left, but in actuality, he's not a far leftist. He's just a leftist. Now, I've consistently declined this false narrative because all of his policy ideas are right in line with the American people. So, of course, they would vote for him. Now, I'll get to that and what I mean by that more specifically in a moment. But for now, uh, a new poll from NBC News, The Wall Street Journal, and Marist shows what I've been saying all along, that he is, in fact, nationally electable. And actually, he outperforms Clinton in hypothetical matchups against Republican candidates in states such as Iowa and New Hampshire. So when it comes to Hillary versus the Republicans in Iowa, well, Bush polls at 50% and she's at 40%. So Bush beats her by a 10-point difference. When it comes to Donald Trump, he beats Hillary Clinton by a 7-point difference, 48 to 41. When it comes to Carly Fiorina, 52 is her, what she's polling at, 52%, uh, while Hillary Clinton is only pulling at 38% compared to Carly Fiorina in this matchup. So Carly Fiorina would beat Hillary Clinton in Iowa by 14 points. That's brutal. Now, Bernie doesn't fare too much better against the Republicans, but he does beat Hillary Clinton in that regard. So now when it comes to a hypothetical matchup between uh, Jeb Bush and Bernie, well, Jeb Bush only beats Bernie Sanders by two points. So Bush leads 46 to 44. Uh, however, when it is Donald Trump versus Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders actually beats Donald Trump in Iowa. Uh, Bernie Sanders leads Donald Trump 48 to 43. When it comes to Carly Fiorina, the person who would destroy Hillary Clinton, according to this poll, well, she polls at 45%, whereas Bernie Sanders would get 42% of that vote. That's just a three-point difference. So the conclusion is that the Republicans 
are doing pretty well in this poll, but Bernie Sanders fares a better shot against them uh, in Iowa. Now, when it comes to hypothetical matchups in New Hampshire, Jeb Bush also beats Hillary Clinton by seven points. Uh, he leads 49 to 42. However, Hillary Clinton would beat Donald Trump as uh she leads 48 to 45. Now, when it comes to Carly Fiorina, she still gets whooped by her. So uh, Carly Fiorina leads uh, with 50% of the vote and Hillary Clinton gets 42%. That's an eight point difference. Now, when we actually look at Bernie versus the Republicans in New Hampshire, the story is completely different. So when you match up Bernie Sanders and Jeb Bush, it's a tie, 46% each. Now, when you match up Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders beats Donald Trump by, wait for it, 10 points. Bernie Sanders would lead 52% to Trump's 42%. When it comes to Carly Fiorina, seems like the most biggest opponent of Hillary Clinton, Sanders beats her by two points. He leads 47 to her 45%. So the conclusion, uh, from this poll at least, is that Bernie Sanders is more nationally electable than Hillary Clinton. Now, the sample includes over 1,000 participants. Uh, it's 1,044 registered voters with a margin of error of uh, plus or minus three percentage points. So I do trust this poll based on the methodology. Uh, but the conclusion, according to this poll, is that the Democrats' best shot at keeping the White House is to go with Bernie Sanders. Uh, now, the question here is, why are the Republicans doing so well? <laughs> because, look, I'm not... a a supporter of Hillary Clinton, but I would vote for her over any of the Republicans anytime, any day. So both Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton should be whooping and destroying the Republicans in hypothetical matchups, but that's not the case. Now, the reason why the Republicans are doing so well is partially because of the actions of the Democratic establishment. If you know uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, well, she wants to limit the debates, presumably so that way she could help Hillary Clinton's campaign because she's already leading nationally. So all she has to do is be quiet. And the more that she speaks, the more her numbers go down. The more that Bernie Sanders speaks, the more his numbers go up. So Debbie Wasserman Schultz is basically throwing the entire party under the bus to preserve Hillary Clinton's campaign. And this is bad because what's happened? We've seen now two Republican debates. All you hear about is uh, Donald Trump, Ben Carson in the mainstream media. So Republicans have now monopolized political discourse that's very very scary but with that being said i do think that these numbers will shift when we get closer to the general election and as the democrats debate more i think that's going to change a little bit i'm hoping that's the case so now uh, the reason why i've said that bernie sanders is nationally electable all along is because when you juxtapose his policy proposals with public opinion well they are right on his side so take a look so let's actually examine Bernie Sanders policy positions and we'll compare them with the American people. So when it comes to the issue of money in politics, 84% of Americans believe that we the wealthy have too much influence and this includes 80% of Republicans. 78% want money limited and 54% say money does not equal free speech. So Bernie Sanders is right in line with public opinion when it comes to money in politics. Now as for Medicare for all, as of 2015, just over 50% of Americans support a single-payer healthcare system. This wasn't always the case, but now it's a reality. So this means that healthcare would be available to 
everyone and is funded through our, our tax dollars. This isn't extreme when you consider how much our tax dollars fund billionaires and their subsidies and whatnot, and it's also not extreme from a comparative standpoint when you see that every other modern industrialized nation has universal health care. Canada, Australia, um, the UK, as well as Scandinavia, and many European countries. So he is now in line with the American people when it comes to health care. As for um, global warming, he wants to lead the world in reversing global warming. Now, what does the American people think about this? So the Yale Project on Climate Change Communication says that 63% of adults think global warming is happening, and 61% think it will harm future generations when it comes to taking action. A clear majority of citizens, that's 100% of counties surveyed, so a majority in every single county surveyed in this study says that we should fund research into renewable technology and regulate CO2 as a pollutant. 95% think we should put CO2 limits on coal-fired power plants that exist right now. So when it comes to global warming, Bernie Sanders is right in line with the American people again. As for free college, the Progressive Change Institute found that 63% of Americans think community college should be free. Now, Bernie Sanders wants all four years funded. So I'm not sure if Americans agree with all four years, but at least with respect to the first two years of college, Bernie Sanders is right in line with the American people. You see the trend here. As for raising the minimum wage and implementing paid sick leave and time off for employees. So the Associated Press GFK poll found that 60% of Americans support raising the minimum wage, as does Bernie Sanders. 60% of Americans also think employers should offer paid sick leave, including half of all Republicans. Two-thirds of Americans are in favor of paid maternity and paternity leave, including 55% of Republicans. So yes, when it comes to minimum wage, Bernie Sanders is in line with the American people, including Republicans. Bernie Sanders says that he wants to create jobs by fixing infrastructure. Zogby finds that 65% of Americans think fixing infrastructure should be a high priority. Again, right in line with the American public. When it comes to fighting in income inequality by implementing progressive taxation, Gallup finds that 67% of Americans are dissatisfied with the country's income and wealth distribution. Hart Research Associates find that nearly 4 in 5 Americans want to close corporate loopholes. Associated Press finds that 68% think the wealthy pay too little in taxes, 60% say middle-class households pay too much, and 56% favor increases on capital gain taxes on households making more than $500,000 per year. Bernie Sanders wants to expand Social Security. What does the American public think about this? Well, public policy polling and moveon.org find that 65% of Americans support the notion of expanding Social Security. 70% are not in favor of Social Security cuts. Bernie Sanders is also not in favor of disastrous trade deals such as the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's right in line with the American people as well. This trend is very consistent. 34%, which is a plurality of Americans, think trade deals slow down the economy. 46%, which is also a plurality, think free trade deals such as the TPP makes wages lower. When it comes to job losses, a plurality of Americans, which is 46% again, think the free trade deals lead to job losses. He also supports marriage equality. Pew Research Center finds that 54% of Americans also support marriage equality. So, uh, of course, he's nationally electable. Everything he says, the American people agree with.
The Trans-Pacific Partnership deal was officially finalized by the United States and 11 other countries, such as human rights violators like Malaysia, who has child slaves, as well as Brunei, who just recently implemented Sharia law in 2014. Uh, now, this is definitely a win for both President Obama's corporate donors and uh, the corporate donors of the Republican Party. Now, this is also a win for many corporatist Democrats as well. Uh, so, still, it's not official law yet. It still has to be approved by Congress. Uh, but that is very likely due to the fast-track bill because they can't do amendments. It's just an up-or-down vote. Now, here's what Bernie Sanders had to say about this. This is a, quote, victory for Wall Street and other big corporations. Now, he elaborated on why he's against it in more details uh, a few months ago on the Senate floor. So I'm going to show you guys that video. Why would an American corporation invest in this country, pay American workers 15, 18, 20 bucks an hour, provide health care, have to obey environmental regulations, deal with trade unions when they can go abroad, pay people pennies an hour, not have to worry about the environment. That is, of course, what has happened. These trade agreements have failed. TPP is based on the same principles. It will be another failure. We should reject it for that reason. Hillary Clinton also came out against the TPP recently. She states, quote, As of today, I am not in favor of what I have learned about it. I have said from the very beginning that we had to have a trade agreement that would create good American jobs, raise wages, and advance our national security. And I still believe that is the high bar we have to meet. Now, let's not be naive. There's 45 different instances where she actually pushed for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, while she was the Secretary of State. Now, the reason why she's coming out against this is not because she actually disagrees with the TPP, it's because she thinks this is going to help her win and look better among progressives uh, who are now rallying behind Bernie Sanders. And furthermore, she didn't unequivocally condemn free trade in general, or so-called free trade. She basically just said, oh, this deal, you know, I don't really like this deal. But if she had done what Bernie Sanders did, where you actually condemn free trade deals in general, then maybe I would believe her. Uh, but I think that this time she's just outright lying. So I don't believe her at all. I think she actually likes the TPP. Now, to go into a bit more details as to why the TPP is harmful, well, I'll tell you, it's it's pretty scary. So now this would disproportionately benefit the pharmaceutical industry because according to Vox, this would limit competition and boost drug prices, which would cost thousands of lives. Now, Vox continues. International investors have pushed for an investor state dispute settlement process that allows private investors to challenge foreign government policies before an impartial arbitration panel, a process critics such as Senator Warren describe as a threat to American sovereignty. So now Vox is actually factually incorrect when they say that this arbitration panel is impartial. That's not the case. The individuals who are deciding who arbitrates the conflict are, of course, multinational corporations. Uh, so let me give you an example. If an oil company wants to sue a country for imposing higher environmental standards, well, they can do so as long as they argue that the country uh, in question is violating the TPP. And of course, the arbitration panel is going to side with their corporate buddies. So it's not an impartial panel. Let's, let's get that straight. Now, furthermore, uh, this trade deal, along with other trade deals, will have the same effect. It's going to ship countless American jobs overseas. Now, people argue and say, Mike, look, you're a humanist. So even though we lose some jobs here in America, well, uh, someone in Malaysia will have a higher standard of living because our job went overseas. But the problem with that logic is that it's false. So uh, all they do is they outsource jobs to these countries, such as Malaysia, where they have children slaves because they can pay those child slaves 
pennies an hour, whereas they have to pay American workers minimum wage. Uh, so they're doing it to save money. And of course, that doesn't help and improve the standard of living for the individuals wherein there is slave labor. They made the same argument with NAFTA in Mexico. They said that uh, Mexicans will have a lot higher standard of living because of NAFTA. But as we've seen, that hasn't changed at all. And if anything, their standard of living has actually gotten worse, not necessarily only because of NAFTA. There's other factors, too, uh, but it hasn't improved. Now, there is more to the bill, uh, but you should know that we only know what we know about it thus far because of WikiLeaks. See, all the negotiations between President Obama and the other uh, heads of states from other countries have all been conducted in private. All of these details are completely not open to even uh, individuals within Congress. Now think of the irony here. Uh, before President Obama was elected, when he was a candidate, he stated that uh, he would run the most transparent administration in the history of the US. And now look, yeah, not very transparent when you won't even let Congress see what's in this trade deal. So the bottom line is that this deal is absolutely harmful and Bernie Sanders is right to rail against it. So now you need to do your part. You gotta call your representative, you've gotta call your senator, you've gotta tell them to vote against this harmful so-called free trade deal because the consequences will be bad. On MSNBC, Bernie Sanders reacted to the mass shooting that took place in Oregon, and he also offered some insight as to uh, what types of reforms he would implement in order to stop mass gun violence in the U.S. from taking place. Take a look. And the president is right. Uh, condolences are not enough. We've got to do something. We have to stop shouting at each other. We need sensible gun control legislation. And by the way, we need to significantly improve mental health services in the United States of America. And I'm pledged to do uh, everything that I can in both of those areas. Yeah, is that something that you've, if, if you were elected president, is this something that you would be a priority for you? And have you thought about how you go about putting in place the policies that could reduce the amount of mass shootings we see? Well, I don't think anyone has all the answers, but I think some of the components are, first of all, guns should not be in the hands of people who should not have them. Uh, people who have criminal records, people who are mentally ill, and that means we need a very strong uh, instant background check system. Number two, we have a huge loophole right now in gun legislation, and that unlicensed gun dealers can sell guns at these gun shows. That's the gun show loophole, which has to be uh, eliminated. And in my view, which is somewhat controversial, I don't think in this country we should be selling or distributing uh, weapons of mass weapons that are designed just to kill people, uh, automatic weapons, military-type weapons, and that's what I voted for. But what we need, Chris, as a nation, is to get beyond the shouting. Uh, you know, you got some people who want to ban every gun in America, and some people believe in nothing at all. Uh, I think the vast majority of the American people, as the president indicated, including gun owners, and I know that's true here in Vermont, want sensible gun control legislation. I uh, and they also believe that we should have more access to mental health uh, facilities uh, and, and counselors than we presently do. The bottom line is, if somebody is suicidal, somebody is homicidal, you got to make sure that that person gets care and attention immediately, not two months uh, from today. You, you reference that your constituents in Vermont, a state, of course, you represent. Um, you, that's a state that, that, as my understanding of the statistics, has relatively high levels of gun ownership, relatively low levels of gun violence um, compared to some other states. Yes. 
You've also um, you voted for some gun safety legislation and against others. You voted against the Brady Bill. You voted for instant background checks. You voted against a bill uh, that would have allowed lawsuits against gun companies. Has your thinking on this evolved over time? Have you been influenced in how you think about it in discussions with your constituents who are gun owners? Well, I think we are all disgusted and horrified by these mass killings. And as the president indicated, we're tired of sending condolences. And we know that it could happen tomorrow. It could happen again a month from now. Uh, I have voted, uh, as I said a moment ago, for what I think is the most important provision. And that is strong, instant background checks to make sure that people who should not have guns do not have guns. Uh, and I have voted to eliminate this gun control loophole, which is what we have got to do. And, uh, you know, I think, Chris, but there, but if I could, if uh, I could that just at say, the end of the day... If I could just say, Senator, I, I just... Yes. Uh, there's two things about this. One is that it strikes me as, you know, it, it may prove to be a more difficult policy problem than we're prepared to admit about keeping guns out of the hands of the wrong people. Um, and it may be that that isn't enough, uh, the sort of uh, uh, items that you've indicated, that, that if we need to take a, a more robust approach like, say, in Australia or in England, which the president mentioned today. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know that anybody knows what the magic solution is. What we do know is the current situation is not tenable. It is clearly not working. And as the president indicated, we can and must do uh, a lot better. Uh, so I believe, but I'll tell you what also I believe. You know, you can sit there and say, well, I think we should do this and do that. But you got a whole lot of states in this country where people want virtually no gun control at all. And if we are going to have some success, we are going to have to start talking to each other. And here's what I think is the good news, that I think there is a consensus for serious gun control, including among people who own guns. Hmm. And I think that's what we have to bring about. And the fact that we have folks in Congress who don't even want us to get information about uh, shootings in this country and fatalities, that's pretty crazy stuff. So I think the job is to bring people together and say, yes, we've got to move forward. We've got to move forward aggressively. Stop the shouting and let's work together. So basically, he proposes expanded access to mental health care, a federal background check system, and he also wants to close the gun show loophole and ban semi-automatic assault weapons. I'm on board with all four of those things. I would also add that uh, I also want to limit high-capacity magazines. Uh, I want to create a federal gun registry. Uh, I would like to mandate gun safety training programs for people who buy guns. Uh, I want to institute waiting periods for guns. I also want to drop the ban on the CDC from studying gun violence because right now they're actually legally prohibited from studying gun violence. How crazy is that? I would basically regulate guns just as Republicans regulate abortion. Uh, but American culture, unfortunately, is not conducive to that, so it's not a feasible political option. Uh, so we can't really get serious about implementing more strict controls on gun ownership until culture changes in the U.S. Now, when it's the case that over 90% of the American people want universal background checks, uh, and this includes a majority of both gun owners, and NRA members, well, then we have to at least do that because that's what's politically feasible. The goal is compromise. Now, at this point, I'm honestly willing to concede on a lot when it comes to reform because as long as we at least take a step in the right direction, I'll feel a little bit more satisfied, but I don't think we can really do that. Uh, we have to have 
both parties come together and agree on something, but Republicans cannot come forth and agree because of money in politics. So uh, to give you guys an example, there was one Republican who came out in favor of universal background checks. Now, this is an individual who got an A rating from the NRA, but because he opposed universal background checks, well, the gun lobby basically bankrolled his opponent's campaign, and then he was defeated for proposing reasonable gun reform. So that's that's what's at stake here. It's such a contentious political topic that you can't even suggest modest reform if you're a Republican. Uh, and that's a problem. Now, when it comes to Bernie Sanders, he is someone who I think could actually get gun reform in some way, at least if it's just universal background checks and to close the gun show loopholes, I think that could potentially make a bigger difference uh, because he's more of a moderate. He's voted both for and against certain types of gun reform. So, for example, he voted against allowing victims of gun violence to sue gun manufacturers. Now, most liberals and progressives might actually disagree with this, but that's not necessarily a bad political move because allowing the families of victims of gun violence to actually sue gun, uh, gun owners or excuse me, to sue gun manufacturers, well, that would give them the incentive to want to lower gun violence. But at the same time, if you state that you do want to allow uh, the families of victims of gun violence to sue gun manufacturers, then you look a lot less reasonable. Well, then it looks as though you want to destroy the gun industry. And I think that at that point, you may lose more responsible gun owners. So the takeaway from this is I actually, uh, I don't have any idea of what we could potentially do to get gun reform. We can't do anything. So the question that I pose is to individuals who are responsible gun owners, what would you do? What would make you feel as though uh, we are not infringing on your Second Amendment rights? I agree that repealing the Second Amendment and banning guns is off the table, not just because I'm against that in principle. I think that uh, it would be extremely difficult to implement, just like banning drugs doesn't stop people from getting drugs. Banning abortion doesn't stop people from uh, getting abortions. It is the case that people will still get guns. So my question is, what do we do? I mean, are you in favor of uh, universal background checks? Are you in favor of closing the gun show loophole and making it so that way if you're a felon, you can't just go on Craigslist and purchase a semi-automatic assault weapon? We got to do something. If you state that doing nothing is the answer, you're not reasonable. You're just as unreasonable as people on the opposite side that say they want to ban guns. Bernie Sanders picked up his first congressional endorsement. It is from the co-chairman of the Progressive Caucus, Representative Raul Grijalva, and he is from Arizona and has endorsed Bernie Sanders. Take a look. What's he got that she ain't got? Well, I, I don't he's think it's That's what he's got. Uh, Bernie's a friend, and, 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 I, and I wanted to do uh, for Bernie's campaign what I can to reinforce his message. I think the strongest thing that, uh, that Bernie has, it's a message, it's an agenda, uh, it, it, it is resonating well with the American people. It's resonating well because uh, 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 there's a connection, and the connection is Americans' uh, frustration with where we are, where our economy is, where wages are, where inclusion and participation in our democracy isn't. Uh, Bernie's talking about that, and that consistency, I think, is uh, something that not only will, has drawn me there, and he's a friend, uh, but I think as other members begin to uh, also hear from their constituents, as other members begin to look at what the motivation that Bernie is creating across this country, I think more and more people will, will begin to give very, very serious consideration to his campaign. So this is very, very significant because Bernie Sanders is in desperate need 
of congressional endorsements. If you don't know, Hillary Clinton has picked up over 100 congressional endorsements. So Bernie Sanders now has one. Uh, and here's my question. Where are the other progressives at? Anyone? There's over 70 people in the uh, Progressive Caucus in Congress. Uh, and there are other progressives that are not part of that caucus, such as Jeff Merkley, such as Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and I want to know where they are. Why haven't you come out and endorsed Bernie Sanders? This is great that we have one, but I mean, at this point, I don't get it. Uh, so... I want to know what they're waiting for. I want to know why they're playing the establishment's game of waiting. I think it's because if Bernie Sanders loses, they don't want to look like fools and then have to endorse Hillary Clinton later. Uh, but the thing is that if you endorse Bernie Sanders' campaign, you give him a boost and make it that much more likely that he will actually win. Uh, now, furthermore... You want Bernie Sanders' campaign to be successful because this will help out your future campaigns because the more that progressive campaigns are successful, that helps you. <laughs> you don't want to be uh, the uh, wing of the Democratic Party that lost. You want to help people from your own political group. So I don't know what they're all waiting for. So uh, my... Uh, my call to action for my viewers is to call your senator, call your representative, uh, and ask them, when are you going to endorse Bernie Sanders? Actually, you know what? Don't ask them when. Tell them to endorse Bernie Sanders. Tell them that if they want to be successful in the next election, then they have to endorse Bernie Sanders. We, we don't have to ask them. We don't have to be nice. Well, we want to be polite, but we, we can be very direct in what we want. We're the ones who put them in office. They are accountable to us. So we can actually email them and call them and say, you need to endorse Bernie Sanders and you need to do it right now. Stop waiting around. Don't play this game of waiting until uh, the Democratic primaries are over. He needs your support right now. Make the call. Endorse him. If you're not going to endorse him, then endorse Hillary Clinton already. But we need to know if you're actually a progressive or if you just say you are because progressive causes are very popular and they do very well. I mean, anytime you see the minimum wage on the ballot, it gets passed. In the 2014 election, I mean, the Republicans cleaned house with Democrats, yet progressive ballot initiatives still passed overwhelmingly. I mean, you had the uh, marijuana initiatives in Oregon and Alaska. You had the minimum wage initiatives in four states. So... Again, be a good progressive and actually endorse other progressives. Uh, but getting on the more uh, happy note, I think that uh, Raul Grijalva is fantastic for doing this. And I think that what he may have just done inadvertently is open the floodgates. I think that he is going to give other progressives in Congress the confidence that they need to actually come out and endorse Bernie Sanders. Nobody wants to be the first one that's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it this early. Nobody wants to be that person. But he did it. And now it's time for everyone else to follow suit. We're going to have some fun. So since Hillary Clinton's supporters are already speculating about who could potentially be her VP pick, uh, I wanted to do the same and uh, give you my take on who I think uh, would be a great VP pick for Bernie Sanders. Uh, now, of course, this is a bit early, but nonetheless, you know, it's Bernie week and uh, I want to talk about this because I think it's something that's fun uh, and I think it's interesting too. So I'm going to give you... Uh, my choices, and who my number one VP pick for Bernie Sanders is. Uh, so first and foremost, one of my choices is Alan Grayson. Now, 
this is an individual who I think would be a great vice president for Bernie Sanders because he could really uh, crack some skulls. If you've heard uh, Alan Grayson speak, he is very decisive. He's uh, very commanding and he, he's kind of a loudmouth. Um, so he calls Republicans idiots. I mean, he does things that, you know, politicians don't typically do. The establishment absolutely hates him. He's running for uh, Senate right now. And uh, the Democratic establishment, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and whatnot, have backed his opponent, uh, who is a very conservative Democrat. So they don't want him to win. But nonetheless, Alan Grayson has done a fantastic job in House races. He won by a landslide in 2014. And I think this guy knows how to run campaigns. And so I think he would be very helpful to Bernie Sanders' campaign. And not to mention, of course, Alan Grayson is a progressive. He's against the TPP. He's for LGBT rights. Everything you like, he's in favor of. So now my second pick is Keith Ellison. Uh, this is an individual who is constantly speaking up in favor of the little man. I mean, he's, he's part of the progressive caucus in Congress. Uh, he would help Bernie Sanders uh, in terms of demographics because he's African-American, uh, he's a Muslim. So I think that this would be good to, you know, reach out to those communities and have them support Bernie Sanders through Keith Ellison. Uh, he's someone who is very articulate. He is someone who is, I think, presidential and someone who would be a very great pick for Bernie Sanders. They've collaborated in Congress before and I think they'd make a really great team. So now my third pick is Julian Castro. Now, this is someone who a lot of people contend would be a great VP pick for Hillary Clinton. Now, I agree. Uh, I also think he would be a great pick for Bernie Sanders as well. Uh, he reminds me a lot of President Obama. Uh, I think that he's very intelligent. He's articulate. Uh, he's presidential. He's charismatic. And I think that he's someone that would help Bernie Sanders, again, because there's that demographic support. You know, he's a Latino. We have a very, very large part of our electorate that is Latino. So I think that them having a candidate, making history and electing, you know, the first Latino VP would be absolutely fantastic. Another choice is Cory Booker. Cory Booker is an excellent politician, very smart. He's progressive. He's on the right side of pretty much every issue. And I think that him and Bernie Sanders would also make a very good team. Uh, now, another choice is Raul Grijalva. He is the first congressional endorsement for Bernie Sanders. He's part of the uh, Progressive Caucus in Congress. He's actually the co-chair. Uh, and I think that, again, this is someone who would work very well with Bernie Sanders. Uh, he stays on point. But uh, my, only, uh, my only cause of doubt for Raul is that he's not as charismatic as others, such as uh, Julian Castro, such as Cory Booker. So I would probably say he's kind of like one of my lesser choices, but still I think he'd be a great VP. And in terms of policy, I think all of Bernie Sanders' supporters would love him. Here is my, uh, my ideal pick. So this is who I want to be the VP for Bernie Sanders, but will not be the VP. Uh, and that person is obviously Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she would be excellent. If you have Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders teaming up, that would be an unstoppable duo. That ticket would be the most badass presidential ticket in history. Uh, it would be fantastic. Elizabeth Warren is very articulate. She's commanding. She's charismatic. She's presidential. She's all the above. So if she was the VP, you know, uh, she could run for president after that because she has that record to run on. 
So, of course, I mean, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, that's the match made in heaven for all of us Bernie supporters, right? Now, I don't think this is going to happen because I don't think Elizabeth Warren wants anything to do with the White House. Uh, but I would, I would feel probably more comfortable leaving her in Congress because I want a really strong progressive voice in Congress. I think that is really, really important. And I think that she does a great job at fighting for progressive values in Congress. So when you remove her from that and you put her in the White House, then in effect, I don't know that she can be, you know, as effective. So I'm kind of torn on it, but still I would say I'm Elizabeth Warren all the way. So now as for my actual pick, who I want the most to be uh, Bernie Sanders' VP pick, drum roll. I don't, no, I don't have the sound effect. It's Kristen Gillibrand. If you've heard her speak, this is an individual who is very, very personable. Uh, she is very charismatic. She's articulate. She's intelligent. She's progressive. Uh, and I think that her and Bernie Sanders would make a very good team. Now, furthermore, the reason why I really want Kristen Gillibrand to be his VP pick is because I'm ready for a woman to be in power, in executive power for once in this country. A lot of people are supporting Hillary Clinton just on the basis of her gender. Now, I don't support candidates based on their gender. I support them based on their policy. But, I mean, it would be fantastic if we actually had a woman in the executive branch. I think she would really be an asset uh, in the national election. And I think that she could potentially help Bernie Sanders to pick up the disenfranchised Hillary supporters who decided to kind of bow out of the election since they're so disenfranchised. I think that she would help ameliorate that. Uh, so Kristen Gillibrand would be excellent. And I want her for the same reasons why I want Elizabeth Warren to be the VP, because this kind of sets her up to be the president someday. And I think she would make a fantastic president. She's excellent. She's a rising star in the Democratic Party. Now, she is not as far to the left as Bernie Sanders. She is, I don't know that I would call her a full-on establishment candidate, but I would say that she is more establishment-y. <laughs> That's not a word. But she's, uh, she's more in line with what the establishment wants than Bernie Sanders. But with that being said, I still think she would do a phenomenal job at kind of building a bridge and a coalition between the anti-establishment candidate, that is Bernie Sanders, and the Democratic Party establishment. I mean, if he's the Democratic nominee, they're going to support him. Uh, they're going to use super PAC money to support his campaign. They're self-interested too. Uh, but yeah, Kristen Gillibrand, I think that she could potentially be a fantastic VP pick. But I want to know what you guys think. If I missed anybody, comment down below. Let me know. Uh, tell me what you think about my choices uh, as well. Okay, so we are now going to be switching gears. Uh, so now I'm going to jump to the video where I discuss the outcome of the first Democratic presidential debate. Uh, now that hasn't taken place at this point in time, but in a couple of seconds, you guys will know the outcome uh, as I will be discussing that. It's in a video blog form because I couldn't film a regular episode uh, as I stated at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so yeah, so here is how Bernie Sanders did in three, two, one. Okay, I just now finished watching the first Democratic presidential debate, uh, and I've got a lot on my mind. Uh, my thoughts are going to be scattered. This may be somewhat incoherent, but I'm just going to get right to the conclusion. Uh, the winner of this first Democratic presidential debate is... Bernie Sanders! <laughs> now... I don't know if you could hear that. That was a drum roll. It sounded terrible through my speakers, but 
it's Bernie Sanders. Now, the reason why I say Bernie Sanders is because this was his first introduction to the public. Many people are now hearing about him for the very first time. Now, when you hear about these types of ideas that he has, uh, free Medicare for all uh, citizens, free college tuition, that's something that, you know, is very unique. Uh, and I think that he did a very good job of pitching how good he is on these issues. He repeated free college tuition and whatnot over and over again. And to pay for that, you tax Wall Street speculation. So I think that he, he won on a number of issues. Now, there is a caveat to that. Uh, I don't think that he won when it comes to the issue of gun control at all. I think that he did... He didn't perform too well. Now, I knew that this would potentially be an issue because of his previous votes, because he is a moderate on the issue of gun reform. Uh, but with that being said, I don't necessarily think it's going to be detrimental. Uh, any poll that I've looked at thus far, uh, he is leagues and leagues ahead of Hillary Clinton when it comes to this debate. So I've checked a couple, Slate.com, uh, some other poll. They're non-scientific. They're just, who do you think won? And Bernie Sanders and some of them... Uh, He's beating Hillary Clinton almost four to one. Now, according to Reddit, I don't have my phone with me to check for sure. Uh, the uh, searches for socialism under Merriam-Webster Merriam has uh, skyrocketed. So people are really curious about him. They're hearing about his ideas and they want to do the research. Uh, but that's not to say that Hillary Clinton tanked. I think she performed very, very well. Uh, and I expected this, but at the same time, I still expected Bernie Sanders to win overall because he just has the right stances on all of these issues. So one thing that I could say about uh, Hillary Clinton is that she looked very presidential. She was assertive. She was decisive. And I think that she came off uh, very well to her supporters, as well as the American public, even in spite of the really tough uh, questions that Anderson Cooper was asking her. Now, let's just go off on a quick tangent. How awesome was Anderson Cooper on moderating this debate? Hats off to you, man. You did absolutely fantastic. You kept him in check. You asked the questions that we want to hear. So, man, Anderson Cooper, killing it. Um, so, now, let me go a little bit backwards. Uh, I'm going to start with the other candidates before I really get into Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Uh, so I took a bunch of notes here. Just, again, complete scattershot, very incoherent. So I'm going to try to bring this together. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, Jim Webb. Jim Webb, to me, is the biggest loser of this debate. This was my real first introduction to Jim Webb. I didn't know really anything about him prior to this. Uh, and I think he made a horrific impression on me. So now the first thing that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, not I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal, was when he introduced himself and he was talking about the qualifications of his kids. Oh, well, Sally is a massage therapist and Jim works for McDonald's. I don't care about your kids. I want to know about you unless you plan on, like, making your kids uh, defense secretary or secretary of state or something like that. Uh, another thing... Um, he is just too conservative for me. He's pro-Cole. He's pro-Keystone. Uh, I like that he talks about, uh, you know, getting money out of politics, but he wants to start shit with China. We want diplomacy. We want to actually not try to isolate China and be, you know, uh, asses to them. Now, another reason why I say that he's the biggest loser is because he came out looking really bad, I think, uh, complaining about the rules during the debate. And Anderson Cooper owned him each time. He said, you agreed to the rules. He was saying, you know, uh, what was it? He kept saying, let me speak. Uh, he was complaining about the rules and it just, 
it wasn't a good look in my opinion. So uh, for those reasons, I think he didn't come out looking too well. Um, now getting to Lincoln Chafee, I knew about Lincoln Chafee prior to the Democratic debate. I did know that he was a Republican and that's why he kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. What I did not know was that he actually did vote uh, against the Iraq war. I assumed that he did because he did vote in favor of the Patriot Act, which I did hear about. Um, so I was surprised to hear that he was against the Iraq war and he was the only, or one of the few, I don't know how, how many, he was a Republican to vote against it. Now, when it comes to um, Glass-Steagall and his vote uh, in favor of the repeal of Glass-Steagall, I think with that alone, you could make the case that he actually lost everything and it wasn't just Jim Webb. And Actually, now that I'm explaining that, maybe I might flip and say that Lincoln Chafee is the biggest loser just because that made him look absolutely terrible. His excuse for voting for the repeal of Glass-Steagall was, look, I just got in, you know, <laughs> I was hungry, <laughs> I didn't sleep all night, not, not verbatim, but in essence, he made terrible, terrible excuses for the repeal of such an important piece of legislation, and ugh, it was... I was cringing. It, that was really bad. So yeah, I'm flipping it. It's not Jim Webb. It was Lincoln Chafee that was the biggest loser. Um, so now, I like that he did say uh, that he would bring uh, Snowden home. I don't like that he doesn't regret his vote on the Patriot Act. Uh, and furthermore, it seems like he would be okay on foreign policy. So overall... Uh, my opinion on Lincoln Chafee did not change. I feel the same way about him as I did uh, prior to the uh, debate. Now, the reason why I initially stated that Jim Webb was the loser, but then flipped that is because I didn't really have any opinion on Jim Webb, but after the debate, my opinion of him is now negative. So that's why I think that I had the inclination to say that he was the loser uh, initially. But no, I'm, I'm changing that <laughs> right as I'm deliberating. You see this in real time, me changing my mind. Uh, no, Lincoln Chafee. Okay, so when it comes to Martin O'Malley, uh, I liked Martin O'Malley somewhat. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily agree with him 100% on the issues, but I thought that he would do well because he's a great speaker. I think that he's charismatic and he, he to me, is kind of like an Obama in terms of stature and uh, how he comes off as a president. Uh, as a presidential candidate, that is. But kudos to Martin O'Malley uh, when it comes to climate change. I think that he looks the best on climate change. Uh, I think that his dig at Debbie Wasserman Schultz right during the debate, you get a clap for that, dude. Uh, that, that was applause worthy. It was fantastic. And the reaction from the crowd was great. Okay, so moving on to Hillary Clinton. Uh, I love how... Right away, Anderson Cooper hit her with the uh, political ex expediency uh, question. That put her on the defensive right away. And she should be on the defensive because she's done some very questionable things throughout the tenure uh, as Secretary of State, uh, throughout the tenure of just her campaign and whatnot in terms of dodging questions and whatnot. Uh, but when she said, I'm a progressive, but right then and there... <laughs> You could just tell she's lying because we know she's not a progressive. I mean, Alison Lundgren Grimes in the last election in 2014, the person who lost to Mitch McConnell, a human turtle, she was saying, look, I'm, I'm more conservative. I'm a Clinton Democrat. And everyone knows that Clinton 
Democrats are more conservative. They're more moderate. Uh, so the fact that she would say that uh, she is a progressive, but she likes to get things done, came off as completely dis disingenuine. Now, when it comes to guns, look, we've got to give her credit where credit is due. I think that she really owned Bernie on this issue. When uh, Anderson Cooper asked, do you think that Bernie Sanders uh, is tough enough on guns? Her response was no, not at all. And man, <laughs> that... That uh, that was really scary as a Bernie supporter at first because it was like, oh my God, man, I don't know if he can recover from this because that's that's devastating. I mean, Hillary Clinton, she's a good debater, but at the same time, a lot of people don't believe her because she comes off as disingenuine and just a calculated politician. And I think that at the end of the debate, she came off as just that. I will say that she did look presidential. Uh, I like some things that she did. Now, going through my notes, uh, I like that she said she would go further than President Obama when it comes to immigration. I like that she said we need a new New Deal. Um, and, you know, those those are great things. But there are two things in particular that really did rub me the wrong way. When she was talking about Wall Street, she was completely backed into a corner. And I think that Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders were destroying her on that issue. Uh, and the reason why I said that is because... What she said was, now this is what I told Wall Street. I said, hey, you cut it out there. You stop doing this to the American people. And I laughed out loud when I heard that. It was, it was just stupid. And Bernie Sanders immediately called her out and saying that, you know, that's not realistic to tell them to stop being corrupt. They're not going to listen to you. So that rubbed me the wrong way, and I think she got destroyed on that. Uh, the next thing that rubbed me, rubbed me the wrong way was how she played up her gender too much, I think. Now, look, I think that she's right to play a progender because I think it is fantastic that we have an actual viable female presidential candidate. I think it's time that this country has a female president, but she's not the right one. And the way that she played it up was embarrassing. She stated that um, she's an outsider because she's a woman. She already said this before, and it doesn't make it any more true. When we say that Bernie Sanders is an outsider, when we say that Donald Trump and Carly Fiorina and Ben Carson are outsiders, it's because they're outside of that Washington political establishment. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, you're a woman, so you're not part of that establishment. Women very much are part of that establishment, too. Now, of course, not as much as men, but to say uh, that she's an outsider because of her gender is a complete oversimplification, and I think that she knows what we really mean when we're asking about political insiders and political outsiders. Now, when it came to pot, I think that she came out looking bad when she says uh, that she is not ready to take a position. It made her seem out of touch. Majority of the people are in favor of legalized weed. Okay, I don't. I, the last poll I saw was over 50% for sure. I think it was like 54, 55%. And depending on which poll you get, it could be even higher, upwards of 60%. So it's time that she takes a real strong stance. And I'm glad that Bernie Sanders finally took a strong stance on recreational marijuana. Decriminalization is not enough. At this point, we need legalized weed at the federal level. Okay, so getting to Bernie Sanders and why I think he did the best. It's because I think that he monopolized the discussion. I think that he really set the standard. What were all of the candidates talking about? They were talking about income inequality. They were talking about corporate greed. The fact that, you know, they made that such a huge issue shows that Bernie Sanders is having a huge influence because they probably see his numbers and realize this dude is saying stuff that the American people like. So they knew that um, they had to kind of outshine Bernie Sanders in that regard. And I 
don't think they were successful at doing that. Basically, what everyone here had to do was prove that they were progressive and more progressive than Bernie Sanders without actually saying that they're in favor of the same policies that he's in favor of. And none of them did that. I think Bernie Sanders did a very good job at redeeming himself when it comes to the socialism thing. When uh, he was talking about how, no, he doesn't like this form of crony capitalism. I think that he came out looking good on that uh, on that part. I like that he stuck to the issues. I like that he was assertive in his policy positions. And when he stated things like, I am in favor of a $15 minimum wage, that was, you know, it was kind of a nudge of Hillary Clinton saying, yeah, you've, you stated that you're in favor of raising the minimum wage, but you won't tell us how much. So I think that Bernie Sanders really backed all the other candidates into a corner and made it so that way they've got to raise the bar in terms of progressive policies. Now, he's beating them on all of these fronts, except when it comes to climate change. I think that Martin O'Malley does kind of have him one-upped in that regard, but at the same time, Bernie Sanders made an excellent point by stating that you're not going to get climate change reform unless you have campaign finance reform because you have to get money out of politics in order to actually get the Republicans to do anything because they're bought and paid for by the fossil fuel industry. This is something that the Young Turks have been saying. You've got to get campaign finance reform before anything else. I've been saying the same thing as well. Kyle Kalinske, David Packman, we've all been saying the same exact thing. Not that I'm on par with those guys on even the same level, but we've all been saying the same exact thing, and you have to get campaign finance reform. So in that in that respect, I think that you can make the case that Bernie Sanders is actually more realistic than Martin O'Malley, but I love the fact that Martin O'Malley does have an actual feasible policy plan. Uh, but in the end, uh, Bernie Sanders looks great on Social Security. I think he came out on top. When it comes to college tuition, I think that Bernie Sanders outshined Hillary Clinton in that respect because she was kind of on the defensive there, right? She had to say, you know, I think that students should work 10 hours per week to help pay for their college tuition when Bernie Sanders said, no, we're just going to have Wall Street pay for it. She looked out of touch right there. Let's face it. I mean, by saying that you want students to work 10 hours per week to help pay for tuition, it shows that this is the mindset that you are. You're in that oligarchic mindset mindset, uh, because she's envisioning students not working. That's not realistic. That's not the majority. We are already working upwards of 35 hours per week. I worked uh, 30 to 35 hours per week through college, through my undergrad. Uh, and adding a ten, another 10 hours on that would just make it that much more insufferable because I remember having to pull all-nighters, skip meals and whatnot, already sacrifice doing homework so I can go to work. So I think that that made her look out of touch, and I think Bernie outshined her there. He outshined her on Social Security, as I said. Uh, let me go through all of my notes. I like that he said he would uh, shut down the NSA. Uh, I think he could have come out stronger on Edward Snowden. Bernie, come on, just come out stronger. I like that, you know, it wasn't unequivocal, his condemnation of Edward Snowden, because yes, he broke the law, that's a fact. But again, he still looks better than Hillary Clinton and Martin O'Malley on that issue. I like that he said that he doesn't have a super PAC, because that's something that's also going to be refreshing to people who don't know who he is. And I like that he stayed on the message of taking on the billionaire class and Wall Street. It made him look really good. And I think that voters who are hearing for, uh, from him for the first time, they're going to like what he has to say. So in the end, that's why I think that Bernie Sanders won the Democratic debate. Because 
He monopolized that discussion. Everyone was constantly trying to one-up Bernie Sanders because he was the one that was setting the bar and nobody could top him on Social Security. Nobody could reach his level. On free college tuition, nobody could reach his level. On uh, healthcare, nobody could reach his level. So these are the progressive policies that the American people want. Look at the public polls. I've talked about them. Uh, and nobody could step to his level and truly be a populist. And that's why I think Bernie Sanders came out looking the best and uh, I'm really hoping that the polls reflect this. And also, I'm hoping that um, the pundits aren't just going to automatically give it to Hillary Clinton and say she won. Uh, I don't know how true this is, but I, I was browsing through uh, Facebook, Reddit, whatnot. And the consensus is that it seems as though CNN is saying that Hillary Clinton is the winner. That's not the case. Uh, somebody who's the winner isn't on the defensive almost the entire time. Now, to be fair, Bernie Sanders was on the defensive at the beginning, and he wasn't doing too well. He tripped up a little bit there. Uh, but in the end, he wasn't on the defensive most of the time, whereas Hillary Clinton was. And that's not the only standard. I mean, I think that she didn't look good on a lot of the policies that she was talking about. I think Bernie Sanders looked better when she did look good on them. Uh, so, yeah, Bernie Sanders did a phenomenal job. I'm super relieved. Basically, it went exactly as I expected. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It has been filled with Bernie Sanders stories. And uh, hopefully, uh, all the people who watched the first Democratic presidential debate and uh, are now searching for Bernie Sanders, if you heard of him uh, for the first time, hopefully you're finding this channel and uh, you will learn more about Bernie Sanders. I have an entire playlist dedicated to Bernie Sanders. Uh, and I hope you guys check it out because he's a fantastic candidate. So that is the end of this episode uh this episode was brought to you by all of our sponsors amazon if you bookmark the link in the description box you can help support the show uh audibletrial.com slash humanist report hostgator.com use the coupon code humanist report for a discount uh and a books when you use the a books link you support the show now that's in the description box uh so i'll see you guys next week we'll return to a normal humanist report episode uh so i'll see you then